0: And, and what he says is, that trauma is is never the thing that happened. It's the way, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's never the thing that happened. It's the way that our bodies responded to the things mm-hmm. that happened. And it's really, it really comes down to some very um, simple biological factors. It's a dis- dysregulated nervous system fundamentally at its core, mm-hmm. and so it's like retraining the nervous system helps to to bring that.
1: Welcome to the Soaring Child podcast where parents of children with ADHD learn tips and tricks to help their child soar at home, at school, and in life. We feature interviews with experts, medical professionals, and parents just like you who are learning how to reduce ADHD symptoms using food and other natural strategies. Because children with ADHD deserve to soar just like every other child. I'm your host, Dana Kay. Hello, parents. This is Dana Kay here with another edition of the Soaring Child podcast. Now, you know it's my passion. It's my passion to support families of children with ADHD. But, you know, I know I can't reach everyone on my own. So that's why I'm asking for your help today. Will you guys follow this podcast? Will you share it with your friends and family and leave us a review? Because when you do those things... It really helps us reach more and more people and offer hope to more families of children with ADHD. Now, this week, we are exploring unravelling the complex weave of ADHD and trauma in children. Why is this topic so crucial? Well, Both ADHD and trauma, they manifest in ways that can really impact a child's behavior, their emotional well-being, and definitely their academic performance. It can also put such a strain on families and the peace in their house. Now, when a child experiences both, the landscape, it becomes even more complicated. How do we differentiate between ADHD symptoms and trauma responses? What strategies can parents employ to to navigate these conditions and how can, you know, we provide a safe and supportive environment to be fostered? at home. So this episode promises to be a beacon of hope and a treasure trove of practical advice for all the parents out there navigating this challenging terrain. Corbin David Denai is an entrepreneur, a speaker, an artist and the chief hope officer for Hope Guide. It's an organization committed to the cause of reducing the barrier of entry to trauma healing. Corbin has built and sold four companies and traveled to over 80 countries, wow, with his wife and six children. And yes, he also scores in the top 99.9% for ADHD symptoms. So now it's time to welcome Corbin David Janai to The Soaring Child. Hi, Corbin David, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us.
0: I'm doing well, Donna. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm very excited to talk about this topic, not just this topic, but also your experience in having 99.9% of all those yeah. ADHD symptoms. So let's probably just start there. You know, how did you sort of first discover that you had ADHD and, and how did that yeah. change your your perspective?
0: Yeah, you know, um, it, I started with Eamon uh, uh, Clinics. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with them, yeah. Dr. Daniel Eamon. So I had been dealing with what I then discovered were symptoms of PTSD. I was diagnosed through um, Amen Clinics with um, uh, acute complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and but as we were finishing up, as I was finishing meeting with the neurologist, he said to me, "Oh, by the way, you also have ADHD. See you later." <laughs> and, the, and I was like, "Wait a minute, hold on. What?" He's like, "We got too many other things to deal with. Let's talk about that later. But just so you know, it shows up all over all over the place on your brain scan." And I thought. I don't have ADHD cause I can focus like nobody I've ever met in my life. And I thought that was meant that you couldn't possibly have that. Um, he actually did tell me, uh, when I, when I brought that up, he said, um, for you, the H stands for hyperfocus. And I don't know if that's a technical thing, but that's what he said to me. So, so I kind of put that aside and thought, well, I don't, I don't think that's true. Then I met with a, 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 a neuro, um, um, uh, a neurofeedback practitioner Mm -hmm. who said, also said, ah, man, it looks like you've got ADHD. And I thought, that's weird to hear that from a second person. And then my business partner in Canada uh, at the trauma clinic that I uh, ran there, uh, she kept saying, oh my goodness, you have ADHD clearly. Can you just go get tested or something? (laughs) And so I ended up doing the ASRS V1.1. I don't know if you're the uh, Mm self-assessment tool. And it's, and then, uh, you know, through the forms that we had with our company and they came back and said you have 99 you scored the 99.9 percentile and I, at that moment I was like maybe I have ADHD yeah.
1: <laughs> how old were you at this time
0: this was just a, uh, this was about a year ago a year and a, maybe even at most two years ago
1: yeah wow wow yeah. and you know you've obviously been successful even before knowing, you know, uh, you had ADHD, you know, why do you think that is? What do you think, uh, you know, has really helped you not even consider ADHD as an option?
0: Um, You know, I think it's, uh, first of all, and and, uh, Dan, I don't know if we will agree on this or not, but I welcome your, your, your um, feedback, but I, I kind of view ADHD um, as a type of superpower. So yes. the, the the things that I the things that I experienced in my life, I, I didn't see them as negative. I saw them as positive. Mm-hmm. And when you call something a disorder, you're saying something is broken mm-hmm. in you. And I didn't feel disordered. Um, I felt like I mean, I sometimes worked forty hours straight without drinking, or sorry, without eating, without sleeping. I would have water. That's it. And I was like, man, I'm. A, as my superhuman, I do that two three times a month when I was starting as an entrepreneur. So it didn't seem to me like I could be. I didn't have attention. It seems like I had so much. I didn't know what to you know i could focus on however i wanted uh and so um i've actually forgotten your actual question sorry right. but
1: there we go <laughs> I, I don't
0: know if i answered there you go There's you did. Right there. <laughs> you
1: did. And, and i completely agree with you uh i definitely believe that it is a superpower and mm. wow 40 hours straight that is yes. ridiculous um yes. that's amazing so definitely hyper focus is probably one of your superpowers would you say
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely, definitely. So uh, just tell me, you know, obviously we're talking about ADHD, but I, I'm, I'm curious, how did you get into the world of trauma? Uh,
0: you know, I got i got into it because of my own experience. So, uh, you know, it, it, as I, you mentioned in the intro, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I started and sold four companies, the last one in January of 2020. and um, And that kind of gave me a moment to reset and say, like all of these symptoms that I've been experiencing for all this time, have been affecting my life for a long time. I mean, f- uh, since I was a child, but I didn't know what it was. I just thought this is the way everybody felt. And when I started looking into what was going on with me, I realized um, that there may be a solution to this, uh, to to, the, um, to PTSD. Um, and so um, as I started to work through that, I mean, it was a lot of work, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of, like it was very costly in time and resources but I started to get some hope. Like I started to see, Hey, there actually is a way to like transform the negative things that happened into something positive. And it really took me on this journey to, um, how do I be of service to other people who've experienced mm. what I've experienced, but maybe don't have the resources that I had. Yeah. And that was like the starting place for the, the clinics that I started. Mm. Uh, and that's how I got into trauma work. I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm just a guy who just cares about this, this topic and helping people to heal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is amazing, and and look very very similar to to my story as well uh, mm. in in how I got into what I do, and I think that I think that when you find you know practitioners or businesses uh, that can uh, uh, that are that are doing uh, what you need help with, to have someone that has actually been there and gone through it as well just mm. adds just a completely different perspective than just a person that ended up in that in that environment or in that career now let's dive a little bit into trauma um Mm. can you explain to me sort of how trauma and adhd symptoms can overlap um you know particularly in children obviously we're talking to parents here you know why Uh why is it important for parents to understand the relationship
0: Hmm, yeah, I mean, the, a lot of the symptoms overlap, sort of um, distractibility, lack of ability to focus on things is a very d- adaptive behavior for somebody who's had, uh, who's experienced a traumatic event, mm. um, because perhaps um, that reduces the pain that they feel if they're not able to focus on something. So that can look that can look very similar, um, but also um, hyper-focus and, and hyper-vigilance, um, mm-hmm. just sort of awareness to all the details that are happening at the same time is a PTSD response as well to a traumatic event. So it's like, I'm not safe. How do I make sure I'm safe is through uh, paying attention to all of the details. And that means oftentimes getting distracted because you're trying to process everything. And so there's a lot of similarity between those two things, and they can be diagnosed as one or the other, often interchangeably because of that.
1: That's really, really interesting. I mean, you know, just on the face value, you wouldn't think that PTSD can can be diagnosed as ADHD. I yeah. be, and vice versa, you yeah. you don't sort of even put them in the same bucket, do you?
0: No, you don't. And 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 it's and it's often the case, especially as a, as adults, um, that um, um, people who have PTSD are far more likely to also be diagnosed with ADHD to have the comorbidity of the of the two
1: at the same mm. time. Now and that brings me to a, an interesting segue. I do tend to go off on segues a little bit myself. Um, in uh, in these interviews, uh, there are I do a lot of genetics with the families mm. that I work with, and there is actually particular genes that if you're mutated or you're doubly mm. mutated in those genes, it actually puts you at a greater risk for. Uh-huh ptsd and so uh that's that's an interesting correlation and it'd be very Mm. very interesting to see if the genes that predispose you to adhd like tendencies then correlate to uh the genes that uh put you at a greater risk for ptsd as well
0: yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah
1: it's really really interesting stuff now uh how does trauma sort of exacerbate the symptoms of adhd in children or vice versa
0: yeah it's it's difficult to know if you if, you, if you're dealing with both of those things what's what right mm. so but and because the symptoms overlap i think what it does is just make the symptoms more more significant more extreme is particularly the ones i talked about you know a lot of people with adhd like myself have dealt with a, a very dysregulated uh, nervous system because the, all the inputs come in uh, over stimulate. Well, that's the same thing for PTSD. Um, and so in my experience and from what I've seen, it, it seems like it's more just like an amplification of the same symptoms. Mm-hmm. I know there is. I know there are, of course, other things that are not connected or related. I can't speak to those because I'm mostly speaking from my own personal experience and conversations I've had. But Um, but it seems like they more just, uh, amplify it's this, it's two of those things together makes it much more significant.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I want to ask a question. So, you know, we're talking a lot about trauma and PTSD, uh, you know, when, when we, when we think about those words, Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I think, oh, something absolutely tragic has happened or, you know, there's been a big car accident or there's Mm -hmm. PTSD from war, Yes. Does it have to go to that extreme to be yeah. a PTSD or trauma? You know, like, when, yeah. can you talk to me sort of like about the, the what is it, like the measurement of, you know, mm. when is a trauma? When is a PTSD? how yeah. How is it just from those traumatic events?
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And especially in the last few years, as we've started to hear the word trauma a lot more, um, I feel like it's lost a lot of its meaning. Mm. Um, and we, you know, I had somebody say to me the other day, um, I didn't, they screwed up my, my coffee order at Starbucks. I'm so traumatized. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my goodness, if that's all it takes, yeah. <laughs> you're in for a world of hurt, you know? Yes. But, um, but to answer your question, I, I, I really take, I, there was a, a transform, a transformative, uh, thing that, uh, Gabor Mate, if you're familiar with him, yes. Yes. Um, I've really taken my, my cues on what trauma is from him. And, and what he says is that trauma isn't, is never the thing that happened, it's the way, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's never the thing that happened. It's the way that our bodies responded to the things mm-hmm. that happened, and it's really, it really comes down to some very um, simple biological factors. It's a dis- dysregulated nervous system fundamentally at its core, mm. and so it's like retraining the nervous system helps to, to bring that back. But um, to your question about PTSD, always, you know, some major event. Um, it could be a uh, what you experience if you and I experience the same thing. And let's say it's a really terrible event, but you have the resources to realize that you can take action and you can move through it and you can find healing like right away. It's about, it's about like having the ability to take action to, uh, to deal with it right away. It probably won't turn into PTSD for you. And if I didn't have that, it probably would turn into PTSD with me. And so you can see like Mm -hmm. that one of the central things for something to turn into trauma is the ability or the inability to take action. Mm. Um, And, um, so, uh, so that can, that can, that can go across a wide spectrum of what you might consider insignificant and I might consider insignificant mm. and somebody else might consider significant because it's not the event, it's the yes. response of the body. And to your point about, about genetics, the genetic predisposition mm-hmm. also can, can, can be triggered for me at a much lower level than it might be for you. And so I, I think when I was first diagnosed, I thought, my goodness, I've never been to war. Same thing as. How in the world would I have trauma? I mean, I've had some bad things happen, but hasn't everybody? And I really had to learn that it's not about the thing that happened. It's the experience I'm having right now in my body and have compassion for that so I could move through it and heal it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I really like the way that you explained that. And yeah. I like the comparison between two people experiencing the same event. And so, you know, if something, even, even if a child is at school and they have some sort of traumatic event on the, on the playground, that may not be really that bad, but if they yeah. aren't able to handle that, that can stay with them for the rest of their life. Yes. And so that can be post-traumatic stress. And I talk about this a lot and I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but as a parent of a child with ADHD, uh, back in the day when my son's symptoms were at his worst, I every time the phone rang from the school, like I'd get this hot flush and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, what has he done now? To this day, I still experience that same response. Because I do, I have this post-traumatic stress response from what it was, even though... He, I never get calls from the school anymore. I mean, he's yeah. doing so well; he's amazing. And so, I, you know, even something like that has followed mm-hmm. me. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I really like the way that you you explain that. And again, that genetic component that could be also adding to the fact that whether or not we experience the same event. Uh, whether or not you can handle it or I can't handle it can be, you know, part genetics, can be part, you know, if you've got the tools yeah. or if you don't have the tools. So I think that that really provides families and those listening a different mm. perspective, and that's not really talked about. So right. even if you don't think your child is suffering from PTSD or, you know, had a traumatic event, it could very well possibly be so. And so let's let's yes. sort of dive into. Okay, well, maybe they're experiencing that trauma, or they've experienced that past trauma. They've got ADHD. You know, what advice do you have? You know, for parents who are sort of navigating oh, this yeah. terrain of of raising that you know child, especially if they've if they know of that traumatic background,
0: right? And I would make the differentiation differentiation between whether they know or don't know, because sometimes we don't. Yes. So there's the there's there's probably two suggestions I would give to to either of those families. Let's start with if they know that there's a traumatic event, the most important thing in my experience and the work I've done for um, helping someone to work through trauma, because trauma is a solvable problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me put a little asterisk there. A lot of people say, I've had this traumatic event. This is my newer normal. I'm always going to have to deal with this stuff. But the trauma is actually a solvable problem. It's very solvable mm-hmm. actually. Um, and so the encouragement to the parents would be, if you know that there's something there, um, first of all, know that it's solvable. Second of all, what are kind of like the, the, the main things that you can do for a child to help them move through it? There are, of course, lots of different ways of, of processing. Sorry, this is a bit of a long answer, Donna. But, no, uh, totally uh,
1: fine. You
0: can see the ADHD working here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's um, but it's, it's, um, what is the first thing that I would do for a child who had a traumatic event? I would look for ways to give them back their agency because usually trauma comes from a lack of agency. It comes from a sense of, I don't know what to do here. And then that becomes stuck in the system and encoded in the brain as I don't know what to do here and here and here mm. and here. And then it turns into this collection of symptoms that the trauma builds on top of trauma because they've built up this pattern of um, uh, uh, of not having agency. Like it can turn into that. So a very simple example, just let's say that a, that a child has developed a trauma-like symptoms from being bullied at school, which would be a common experience yes. for kids with ADHD as well, Definitely. right? Um, and, and so what is a way I, I don't want to be prescriptive as what they should do with their individual child, but I would look at that and say, what can I do to help my child have their agency back in this situation? Maybe it's standing up for themselves. Maybe it's, uh, immediate, maybe it's walking away, maybe like I, whatever it is that fits their family and their culture and all that stuff. But like, but like doing nothing is the wrong thing. Mm. What can I do to get my agency back? And typically speaking, um, especially if you catch that early enough, that can plant the seeds of agency again. And then they realize, actually, I'm not a victim. I have the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. And that can go a long way to um, reducing or eliminate eliminating the, the potential for, for trauma to develop into something much bigger.
1: Many parents of children with ADHD are afraid to try another thing. I mean, I totally get it. I felt that same way with my son years ago. We had tried medication, lots of medication. We also tried various supplements, lots and lots of various supplements. We tried parenting techniques, essential oils and different therapies, but nothing seemed to make one bit of difference for my son. But then we tried the strategies laid out by the ADHD Thrive Institute and the changes we saw in my son with ADHD were absolutely incredible. The ADHD Thrive Institute offers free calls to parents of children with ADHD to help them find the same freedom we found. When you jump on one of these calls, you get the undivided attention of one of their expert team members. They'll talk through the challenges your child is facing, as well as discuss some possible underlying stresses that could be making your child's ADHD symptoms worse. Then they'll give you a customized game plan that can help you fight your child's ADHD symptoms with food and natural solutions. You can book that free call today at adhdthriveinstitute.com forward slash meet. That's M-E-E-T. Again, that's adhdthriveinstitute.com forward slash meet. Now let's get back to today's episode. Yeah, so I mean you I think you make a really good point in that if you can get it when it happens, um you've got the chance to stop it from growing because right. it may be slightly traumatic now, but then if it just lets and sits and you know that it's that stress in the body, it can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, yeah, from what I'm hearing, it's let's, as soon as we know about it, let's give Mm. them back that agency. And so, so what are some of those things that parents can do?
0: Um, You know, one thing, yeah. Yeah. One thing would be, um, you know, we tend to believe that some emotions are good and others are bad. So anger would be a bad emotion. Mm -hmm. So if a a child come in and they're, they, they may not even know where to direct that anger to. So maybe they're directing it to us as the parents because we're the safe ones, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to do the things to them that the kid and the the bully on the, the playground did. So it would be looking for, if you're seeing that your child is coming back really angry, it might because of a something that was traumatic, either big T or small tree, but it's still trauma. And and say, okay, there's anger here. I wonder, what that's a, I wonder what that's a signal of. So if you don't know what's going on, you ask the question, let's talk about it a little bit. But I would say to encourage that child that child to express their anger in a a way that's not harmful to other people Mm -hmm. um, is actually a way for them to move into release. The moment you say, no, anger is bad, you are teaching them that they don't actually have agency, that their reaction to an unjust event is itself unjust, and that's incorrect. Anger is appropriate when when you're approached with something that should cause anger. Like Mm -hmm. if somebody comes to you and starts to punch you, you should be mad about that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely. Know? So, so, I, so it's really just giving giving room for those emotions to be expressed in a healthy way can go a long way. That would probably be the biggest thing. But it's not just anger; it's yeah. sadness. It's however it is they're responding, especially if you notice that it's like maybe not their normal way of being. There mm-hmm. might be a clue there that there's something that needs to be felt first of all, felt, encouraged mm-hmm. and to feel it. Second of all, expressed.
1: So I'm curious. Uh you know, I know I know that when we we hear a lot of these different advice about um parenting and trauma mm. and diet and all of this sort of stuff they're like, "Well, okay, that's great. Let's hold mm. agency for them for that anger." Yes. yes. How do we do that? Like how how do we stand mm. in a room when our child's angry and yes. allow them to uh um safely get that out?
0: Do we give them a punching bag? Yeah.
1: Do we, what do yeah. we do? What do we do?
0: Yeah. I think, I think it varies by child. But I think the most important thing is to start off with helping them to understand that their anger itself is not bad. I'm sorry to go back to that. But, like, yeah. t- they need to understand that their anger itself is not bad. Every child is going to ex- need to express that in a certain way. Yeah. And it's also going to depend on the traumatic event. If they were being bullied physically they're probably going to want to have a physical response in that particular way. Yeah. Punching bag seems like an appropriate choice for for most children because there's that movement that needing to get the movement out of protection, that if they weren't able to do that in the playground for them to be able to move through that in that moment can be very healthy. I think the second thing is their children having a little bit of grace for them, not knowing how to handle that anger appropriately is an appropriate thing to do. Like Mm. we steer them, but we also say, okay, I see that you're feeling anger. This is not the appropriate way to handle it i don't like that you're yelling at me and throwing stuff and whatever um so this is not okay but also i understand what you're going through is hard and let's find a more appropriate way to, to vent that and it's not obviously as easy as them saying oh great perfect you know there can be a <laughs> wrestle around that right but that would be the path i think
1: yeah no and that, i think that's that's some great advice there um how can parents you know the world the world can be traumatic uh, mm. and so how can parents sort of provide or create a safe and supportive environment at home that accounts for mm. both that ADHD and, and, you know, yourself, I mean, use yourself as an example, given that you've had, you've got the ADHD and you've, you've, you've got that PTSD as well. So how can parents really create that safe and supportive environment at home for mm. that, for that child?
0: Mm. Well, uh, the way I see, uh, PTSD and trauma in general, and this might be somewhere for ADHD, is that I like to view it in terms of um, our body as a container. And uh, just to use an example of, I've got my my coffee cup here. If I had coffee on the bottom, and then I added in some water, and then I added some milk, and then I put orange juice in the top, and it spilled over the side of the cup, and and I asked you, hey, what caused the spill? And the thing you might say it was orange juice, but the truth is it was the coffee and the water and the milk and the orange juice. Mm-hmm. So it's looking at what are the factors that can contribute to this? Because uh, trauma ultimately manifests as a, uh, as a dysregulated nervous system. Yep. So what are the things that are contributing to that particular thing? Sometimes it can be too much television and screens that can mm-hmm. affect it. Sometimes it can be the, the dyes and the sugars and all that stuff that's in the food that we eat, right? All of these things can, can affect both ADHD and trauma because it's yes. just putting stress on the nervous system, not getting exercise. So it's mm-hmm. like have them go out and get all that energy out that can that can um reduce um well there's kind of two things there's reducing the the inputs so again the dyes and the sugars can be an input, yeah. but there's also how can we expand the capacity, which mm-hmm. we would call trauma resilience? Can we give them tools that allow them to handle more things? And and some of that would even just be like mindfulness practices. And I know mm-hmm. that can be hard with, <laughs> with kids mm-hmm. with ADHD, but but like mindful mindfulness practices can be a really good way to expand the, uh, that, um, uh, giving them the opportunity to uh, to punch a punching bag or whatever. If that's if that feels like a release for them, could be a helpful way to expand the capacity as well. And they'll learn coping mechanisms that will just make that container bigger over the course of their life.
1: Yeah. I haven't heard, um, uh, anyone say to helping them make the container bigger. And I, I love that. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm very much about what we take out of the container, but I, but mm. why not make that container bigger? Mm. Uh, and so all of those complementary strategies can definitely, t- can definitely do that. And look, yeah. um, can you tell me a little bit about your work, um, that you do at hope, uh, at hope guide, you know, what, what, what yeah. do you do there? Who do you serve?
0: Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, so so I started Hope Guide based on my experience in dealing with trauma, mm-hmm. and I spent three hundred thousand dollars to recover from PTSD. I was fortunate enough that I had the resources, I had the time, I had the space to be able to do that. But I had this thought as I was as I had kind of experienced a lot of my healing, and and it was this this the sadness like what if I only had two hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars? What if I only had a hundred or fifty or twenty or ten or like so many people they say well I've got sessions for my work this year and that's all i can afford and you're dealing with significant trauma and i it just it was such a burden on my heart because i thought do not do they also not deserve to find healing from trauma and and so i developed this passion for like how can we reduce the barrier of entry for people to get into healing because we are wired for healing we have been told that how you have to heal is to go to a therapist well i believe that therapy is a major intervention made necessary by the lack of a thousand smaller interventions along the way, can we identify what those thousands are? Are there things that we can do to reduce what's in the container, expand the container, um, and and make changes in both in the way we think and in our physiology? And so Hope Guide was really born out of that desire to look at what are the barriers and how do we reduce those so that everybody can have access to moving through healing just by knowing the resources and, um, and in community. So Hope Guide is a trauma healing community. Um, It's a, it's a membership uh, program. And the idea is to bring the price low enough at at the entry tier so that anybody can afford to get into it. Um, And then to continue to offer, you know, additional offerings on top of that as well, including one on one therapy, which is very helpful. So that's, that's the design and the, and the goal of Hope Guide. And, And one other point is that as I was, Going through all of this trauma healing, I realized how much of my own healing came just from being witnessed by other people, you know, being seen by them, heard by them, experienced through their bodies. And there's that sense of resonance that you get when somebody is like just there for you that you can't quite put your finger on. Mm. And so we wanted to create an environment where people could, and this is how you reduce the barrier, let's be witnessed by each other and not rely on a one-on-one relationship only, which a lot of people can't afford to do. Um, and so that's how that's how we started. Uh, Hope God.
1: Yeah, and I and I love that, and totally resonates with with me as well. And and that's what you know we do is is that when you're when you've got that community, you know you're not on this island by yourself. Uh, yes. and so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we do is, is for that, is that in that community where uh-huh. everyone is going through with these challenges with kids with ADHD. So, um, right. totally can, can see how that, that will work. Um, mm. I appreciate you so much for coming on to today's episode and, and just Thank sharing you, even your story and your knowledge, uh, mm. and, and giving hope to our listeners, uh, please tell mm. listeners where they can, uh, find and follow you online.
0: Well, the best place is actually at hopeguide.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually not very much into social media, so I never do that kind of thing. But uh, but hopeguide.com is a great way to follow the work that, that I'm doing and the work. And also, um, on my podcast, uh, How We Heal, um, on all the podcast platforms, it's called How We Heal
1: oh fantastic and and i will be a guest on that one soon hopefully yeah um yeah. well uh, thank you so much once again uh corbin david for joining me i really really appreciate it listeners thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the soaring child i'm dana k your adhd health practitioner keep on thriving Thank you for listening to the Soaring Child podcast today. To learn more about how to help your child with ADHD soar using natural strategies, visit our website at adhdthriveinstitute.com and follow us on social media at adhdthriveinstitute. Institute.